Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brian Black, and today's episode is going to be focused around soil science. And with us to help with this episode is our specialist on the subject, Lauren Hale. Hello. Um, yeah, thank you for the introduction, Brandon. Uh, my name is Lauren Hale, and I am a soil microbiologist. I work with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's mm. Agricultural Research Service. So we are dedicated to doing research to help growers and stakeholders um, stay up to date and current with uh, technologies and improvements that can help them to do their thing. Um, so yeah, we'll be talking today about soil microbiology and soil health. Awesome. And yeah, like Lauren said, we're here at the uh, the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA's uh, research uh, facility. And it was just really awesome. I've never actually been here before, so it's pretty cool to get to see everything. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about soil science, about uh, microbiomes and, and, and health of soil and that sort of thing. And so um, I'll kind of let you take this whatever direction you want. Um, if you want to talk more about the facility as a whole and kind of the research that goes on here, or if you want to talk about more in depth of your research, could you just tell us a little bit more about what's uh, what goes on here in, in, in this place? Sure. So um, ARS is a uh, research service that actually has stations all across the United States. In California, there are five uh, ARS research stations, and we're here in Parlier, so we do a lot of research that's relevant to um, growers in the San Joaquin Valley. Mm. Uh, this is a really productive region and uh, a huge part of California's um, productivity. And so our research focuses on three main areas that are important to growers in this region. Uh, we have uh, researchers studying uh, crop pests and crop diseases. We also have researchers studying post-harvest uh, quality control, so ensuring that uh, foods last post-harvest as well as can be exported internationally and nationally. And we also have my unit, which focuses on uh, water management. Mm. So we're uh, dedicated to looking at irrigation strategies to reduce water input using water, be it low quality water or quality waters, and, and ensuring that water um, doesn't get contaminated with things like nitrates and other pollutants. Mm. Great. And so before this episode, we were talking a little bit about, um, in, in uh, more specification of, as to your exact research about um, soil science and, and kind mm -hmm. of the biology of, of soil. Mm -hmm. um, so could you mind uh, just kind of giving us a little bit of an explanation as to how that ties into the water uh, project as a whole that you were talking about just now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my research, I look at beneficial microbes in agricultural soils. So a lot of times pathogens get a lot of the attention when it mm -hmm. comes to microbiology and agriculture. But there are actually a huge suite of functions that beneficial microbes are performing uh, for plants. And these two things uh, are sort of intertwined. So if you want to have a healthy, productive um, agricultural crop, you also should have a healthy, active soil biology. Um, and when you have a healthy, active soil biology, you're also contributing to things like your soil organic matter. So basically, the ability of your soil to hold on to water and nutrients is largely governed by the quality and quantity of the organic matter in that soil. And microbes are the key drivers of that cycling of that organic matter. So whether it gets released as carbon dioxide or gets integrated into a soil aggregate and contributes to improved soil structure will be driven a lot by microbes. Mm. 
So that's, uh, that's kind of how my work fits into this unit. And then specifically, I use tools to survey all of the microbes that are present in a given environment or survey particular microbial functions that are important for improving soil quality. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so that kind of ties into what we were talking about, about that, um, that soil microbiome that you were describing to me. Could you, could, would you mind um, kind of giving an explanation as to what exactly the microbiome is and where it, what it contains? Yeah. So microbiome is a term that's uh, come up in recent years. So people have a lot of times heard of this kind of research uh, when it comes to the human gut. Mm-hmm. That's gotten a lot of uh, kind of popular press recently. Um, but basically the microbiome is considered all of the microbes in a given environment. And a microbiome, when it's associated with the host, be it our guts mm-hmm. or the root system of a plant, um, it actually plays a large role in the health and productivity of its host. Mm. So when we look at the microbiome in soils, what we're really interested in is uh, the microbes around plant roots that can help plants uh, uptake nutrients. They're important to help plants uh, resist some stress like drought or even heavy metals. Mm. They are important to, uh, they can actually produce some plant growth hormones. Mm. So they're actually right there at the surface of the plant roots uh, interacting with the plants. Some of the microbes uh, in that microbiome can even become sort of a living extension of plant roots. Mm. So when you have, say, a mycorrhizal fungi that infects a plant root, um, you actually increase the network and extend the plant root system. Mm. And then the plant has access to pockets of soil, whether there's water there or nutrients there, that it never would have been able to access if Mm. it didn't have that symbiotic uh, mycorrhizal fungi in it. Um, so we're really interested to say how we can promote these beneficial microbes because that saves us a lot of inputs that we need to add mm. um, when it comes to you know growing things. Yeah, definitely. And are these microbes that um, you're kind of specializing in, are they specific to certain types of plants as far as their compatibility or is there kind of like a universal compatibility across all microbes with whatever is in their soil? Yeah, so it really depends. In some cases, um, basically all pl- everywhere there's you know microorganisms. Mm-hmm. We pretty much don't have any sterile environments, um, uh, not in a natural setting. Right. So all plants have this associated microbiome. Um, the question of how specific that is, there are some. I gave the example of mycorrhizal fungi. Mm-hmm. There are some mycorrhizae that are specific to one host. Okay. There are some that are, have a broad range of hosts. Um, there are some, uh, some sort of interactions where we think that plants actually seem to recruit mm. certain microbes. So you will see some bacteria, for example, more abundant around plant roots than they are in the rest of the soil where the plant roots aren't actually interacting. So there seems to be some selection from the plant for certain bacteria. Um, but basically, these uh, all plants have an associated microbiome, and those microbiomes might vary based on the plant. Gotcha. I see. Okay. And then what, so these micro, these microbiomes and, and, and the uh, microbes in, they're living in them are, I guess you'd say pretty vital to the, the health of the, of, if a crop, for example, if a mm-hmm. farmer's trying to grow crop seeds, he wants mm-hmm. to focus on the soil health pretty severely. Mm-hmm. What can farmers do to strengthen the health of their soil or to help the, the microbes thrive uh, even mm-hmm. easier? 
Yeah, so um, there's lots of different things, uh, and we're uncovering more and more. Mm -hmm. We only recently uh, kind of obtained the capacity to really survey all of the microbes in an environment Mm. because DNA sequencing advanced a lot, Mm. and it became affordable and practical. Um, So we only recently sort of got these tools, but we've known for a long time about beneficial microbes. Mm. So... Um, what a farmer can, what, what we're kind of realizing now that we have those tools is that a lot of things that are mainstays in agriculture can be detrimental. Mm. For example, if you add a lot of nitrogen fertilizer to a soil, you'll see reductions in the populations of microbes that can actually fix atmospheric nitrogen. Mm. So you had microbes already sort of um, deriving plant available nitrogen, but when they're not necessary, plants kind of select against them because they don't need them. And um, so you may have heard of rhizobium, Mm -hmm. and they are um, bacteria that infect legumes, Mm. and that's a specific class of plants. But basically they form these little nodules in the root, and there they fix nitrogen. So it's a great benefit to the plant. But if you have a lot of nitrogen in the soil, the plant will resist that infection Mm. because now it's just extra work for the plant to have to generate the cells for these nodules, but they're not getting the benefit of the nitrogen. Got it. So um, things that farmers can do to promote a sort of healthy beneficial microbes, um, that's somewhat debated, Mm. but we do have a good idea that more organic matter is going to support more microbes. Mm. We also have, we know that tilling really disrupts their sort of microhabitats. Imagine they've built these little cities underground, mm-hmm. and when you come through and till, you can just destroy their infrastructure. Got it. So you don't kill them. They're not all gone, but you've completely disrupted their networks, mm. and they're not going to function to the same capacity, just like our cities wouldn't function as well if we came through and had massive earthquakes everywhere. Right. Uh, A lot of people would survive, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it'd be slower to get back to the point Mm -hmm. where your city was before this earthquake. Right. Um, So if farmers want to promote a a lot of uh, soil biological health, they can add things like compost. They can um, reduce the uh, frequency with which they till Mm -hmm. or the depth with which they till. They can use a lot of cover crops because microbes love plant roots Mm. and the exudates from the plant roots. That's kind of like some of the most quality type of organic matter you can be providing to microbes. Mm. So um, using cover crops and uh, if possible, reducing some of your agrochemical inputs also. Mm. Okay, Mm. makes sense. And then um, so there's been kind of a... I wouldn't say a massive surge, but there's been a, a decent amount of farmers I've noticed lately that are kind of moving towards a no-till mm-hmm. um, kind of, uh, I, I guess you could say lifestyle, but practice mm-hmm. as far as their farming mm-hmm. methods go. Um, it's more of a, like, like a holistic approach to mm-hmm. it. And so that you would say would be like beneficial for the for the, for the the soil health and for those microbe um, like infrastructures that they've already built to, to maintain. Mm-hmm. So if, if that continues in the future, do you think that'll be a, a beneficial thing for the production of the, like you think the production of the crops will be even, even further benefited by that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're tilling, you're disrupting, say, uh, these sort of networks of microbes, mm-hmm. you can actually destroy fungal hyphae. So mm-hmm. those mycorrhizae fungi, Uh, we see their decline in heavily tilled soil. 
The other thing you do is if you see soil as this sort of um, this sort of conglomerate of all these tiny little aggregates, mm -hmm. so your aggregates are kind of like a, a clump of soil. And um, that in the interior of that clump, you can have very stable organic matter mm. that isn't being actively decomposed. But okay. when you till, you come through and you break apart the, all of those aggregates, and you what you have is all of this new carbon that's now accessible to the microbes. Mm. So they start decomposing it, and you actually lose a lot of your soil organic matter <laughs> to microbes coming through and basically degrading it. They respire it, and it comes off as CO2. Got it. So you see larger CO2 output, but you also start losing organic matter. Mm. So farmers who go to move towards reduced till or no till, they see that they're able they're also able to build organic matter in their soil. Mm. So um, absolutely, when you have a soil that has more organic matter and more beneficial microbes, um, what you often see is your yield can increase but a really interesting thing we see is that in sort of in the face of disturbances or um, say extreme weather events mm -hmm. plants can be more resilient mm. so you basically it's like you have a person with a strong immune system or a person with a weak immune system mm. they might be able to perform similarly in a competition but if something comes through and the person with the weak immune system starts to get sick they're mm. not going to perform similarly and that's sort of what we're doing when we're disrupting that soil biota. We're mm. weakening uh, kind of like the immune system. Plants have their own immune systems right. too, but, but basically you're, you're weakening a, a component of the plant that was providing nourishment mm. and providing benefit to the plant. Okay. So it, it's not as nourished. It's not going to perform as well. Gotcha. Okay. Makes mm. sense. Mm. And then I... The little the little I do know about microbes is um, while doing research for another episode we were doing about um, genetic modification, I learned that mm -hmm. there are genetically modified microbes as well. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you've uh, worked with before, or is it something that is is kind of you know in experimentation? I have worked with um, genetic mod genetically modified microbes, but only in the lab setting. Okay. So I've never tried to release them or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, but we, we do that so that we can study their functions mm -hmm. um, and we can understand what they're doing and how they're interacting and when and where they're important. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've worked with them in the lab setting, but I've never gotcha. released them as some product or anything. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. And then what is, which I'm, I'm sure this seems fairly obvious, but uh, what would be the, um, the long-term effect on the food produced by a crop that had strong microbe uh, activity in its roots versus mm -hmm. one that did not? So that is a fantastic question, um, and it's really exciting, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot of answers to that question mm -hmm. in the next you know, 10 or so years, mm -hmm. but it's, that's somewhat in its infancy right now mm -hmm. in terms of research, but that's an area that I, I'm really interested in studying okay. because um, we, we don't have the best connections between human health research and soil health research, mm. but the the elements of research we can see kind of point towards something, mm. which is that plants grown in a more sort of wild or natural setting oftentimes contribute to diets where humans in turn actually have more diverse microbiota mm. uh, in their guts. And diverse microbiota in our guts is associated with a lot of different things. <laughs> um, it's been associated with all kinds of different health uh 
health considerations. Um, some are probably weak correlations, but mm. some are probably true. So one thing we're really seeing is that over and over and over again, having a more diverse gut flora mm-hmm. seems to be beneficial. Okay. Um, and so if that's at all tied to some of the foods we eat, uh, that would be fantastic to know and mm-hmm. would really help guide uh, our ability to, you know, prepare foods better. Right, definitely. Yeah, and that kind of... I'd want to touch on that because we've been talking a lot about how this knowledge would benefit farmers, but mm-hmm. it could be useful for the consumer to know as well that, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that's in development, something that could be mm-hmm. very beneficial, you know, down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking uh, before this episode started about uh, the biological health of soil. Mm-hmm. Um, is that in reference to the, to the microbes themselves or is that a, mm-hmm. a separate uh, topic? Yeah, so it's it's definitely in reference to the microbes, okay. um, but there's all there's all different uh, groups of uh, animals mm. also living in soil. So uh, earthworms are right. a great indicator of a healthy soil. Um, there's a whole food web basically. Mm. So a lot of bacteria uh, and fungi they're a little bit of the base of that food web, mm. but you have. Um, protist and amoeba and nematodes, beneficial nematodes, Mm. um, as well as pathogenic nematodes, Um, and then small little insects, and Mm. as well as earthworms that are all kind of moving through this soil. So basically, I think one of the interesting things to put bacteria into the context of, um, of total soil health is that when you have a microbe, and they're basically decomposing components of the soil. Mm-hmm. And they're using their enzymes to get the nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus that they need to grow and develop. Those n- nutrients temporarily are unavailable to the plant mm-hmm. uh, because the microbe used it and it's assimilated into the microbe's cell body. Mm-hmm. But something's gonna come through and graze on that bacteria. Mm-hmm. And when it does, it releases that. So you have sort of nutrients that are retained in the soil and then can be released by these grazers coming through and even viruses can infect bacteria in the soil and lice them. Mm. So a lot of these nutrients that get assimilated into the microbial biomass then get released into the, the soil water solution mm. and then plant roots are sitting there. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's quite a bit of turnover of nutrients um, okay. and that's all governed by this massive food web that's below ground. Gotcha, interesting. So the, we talked a lot about the microbe, um, the microbiome and the soil health and um, all of the pieces that kind of have to be in play mm-hmm. to, to make an effective environment for proper growth of crops or, or you know, exceptional cr- growth of crops in comparison to those who don't have that environment together. Mm-hmm. Would the, um, I guess the, the contrast to that being, you know, a, a less conventional method of agriculture or even like a grass-fed operation for, for livestock, would those have similar, you know, um, would like having like a grass-fed pasture that had a strong microbiome um, in, you know, in the soil, would that have a, a different effect on it than, than um, one that doesn't have that same environment on the livestock's health at all? Uh, again, potentially, mm. we're we're still learning. Um, yeah, we're still kind of uncovering what that might mean for um, the nutrient content mm. in the the crop itself. Um, the, I'm gonna go into pure speculation now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I do think that if you have a very diverse soil microbiota, there has been research that has shown that the plants grown out of that soil. Mm-hmm the microbes in the soil are kind of like a seed bank Mm. for the tissues on the plant 
So you have a microbiome on a leaf surface. Mm. It's actually called a phylosphere. Hmm. Uh, and you have a microbiome, say, on a fruit surface. And so if you have lettuce growing in a soil that has a more diverse microbiome, mm-hmm. it's uh, reasonable to consider that the microbiome on the leaf surface would also be more diverse. Mm. And so this is where I speculate. Um, but there have been some studies that have shown that people who eat a diet, even when it's a really simple diet, mm-hmm. uh, that's from sort of wild-grown foods. Mm-hmm. So there's these hunter-gatherers. They eat a total of five foods throughout the year. Mm. But they have one of the most diverse gut microbiota of any population studied. The other really interesting thing is that although they're in a region of Africa where they have very little access to what we would consider modern medical care, Mm. they have very, very long uh, lifespans. Mm. So it's a very healthy group of individuals. Hmm. And when I read that, I thought, that's so interesting that they eat a total of five foods, but guaranteed their gut microbiota is more diverse than mine. Mm -hmm. And I probably have five different foods in my breakfast. Right. right? And then so, so to me... I am feeding a gut microbiota that's much more, uh, with a much more diverse array of nutrients and vitamins and amino acids mm. through my diet, but something's different, right? Right. And so I, my question will be, you know, if they're actually kind of seeding their microbiome with these plants they're eating, mm. whereas when we eat foods, not only do we eat foods usually grown in monoculture, Mm -hmm. but we eat foods a lot of times grown out of soils that have a reduced diversity compared to natural settings. Mm. And um, on top of that, a lot of our food is treated. Mm. So it might be fumigated or washed with a a light chlorine Mm. so that it doesn't have any pathogens. But, you know, I question what we're doing to our food when we do that and uh, what it would mean to eat something, you know, grown in a more uh, diverse uh, soil, mm. but that's speculation. So, do you think it would be possible to? And this might still be in the realm of speculation. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but you do you think it'd be possible to um, maybe replicate the the soil and environment of some of those wild uh, crops that that, that the hunter gatherers you're talking mm-hmm. about would would be feeding off of? I mean, so we know uh, we know things that promote diversity, mm-hmm. and um, there have been a lot of studies that have shown that a diverse uh, plant uh, root system mm-hmm. will have higher microbial diversity, reduced tillage, uh, reduced um, fertilizer inputs. Mm. So we kind of I don't know that we could replicate a soil microbiome of a you know berry grown in Africa. Right. I mean that that probably won't happen, but we do know some things that would increase the diversity probably of our soils. Mm. So that's that's an area where I'm studying and a lot of people are doing research. Okay. Um, for example, we're setting up a demonstration here looking at mixed species cover crops. So we hmm. have five different types of plants that we're going to be planting in between grapes. And growing those grapes hmm. and so how that uh, the presence of those plants is going to affect the grape will be something we'll be researching interesting yeah well, that's exciting to look forward to maybe yeah. whenever you find some you know some uh, information out that you're able to share that you can let us know yeah um, I'm try- I think that that's those are all the questions I had is there anything mm-hmm. else you want to share um, about anything relating to the topic um, no, but I think I think it's uh, new and emerging. Mm-hmm. So I think specifically in agriculture, 
there will be a lot more studies, you right. know, coming out on these topics, and I hope that farmers are engaged. Mm. Uh, I've talked to almost every farmer I've talked to recently. I have not had to kind of explain or defend that soil biology was important. Mm-hmm. So it's I know that farmers are educated on this subject, and Definitely. that's that's fantastic. I mean, when I was in grad school, I would have to defend to scientists that this was <laughs> worth studying or of interest or importance. Mm. So now, you know, farmers understand that. So I think, and, and, and everyday people understand that, right. you know, who aren't doing research. So I think that's pretty exciting. And mm. I think we'll have a lot of data that will keep coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been studying uh, biological fertilizers and using microbes as a as an alternative to some chemical fertilizers for many years, but we've mm. never had good quality control of those products. But in the last decade, we had a whole new set of tools to study microbes and how they interact in the environment. Mm. So a lot of those limitations of why biological fertilizers didn't succeed or didn't do as well um, are getting lifted because now we can really track and understand what's happening to them. Mm. And maybe that's not the best route is to be adding in microbes, mm. but we are going to, I think, give a much better set of ideas around what we can do to promote what's naturally there. Interesting. So that I think just keep an eye out because there's <laughs> going to be a lot more coming out. Yeah, on that. that's exciting. And yeah, I can definitely attest to your point. A lot of the farmers I've talked to um, when I ask them about what their, you know, what, what, what are their biggest concerns is as far as growing their crops, a lot of them mm-hmm. uh, prioritize the soil health over everything, which I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised by until very recently when I had a farmer kind of break it down and explain to me why mm-hmm. it was so important and then it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is interesting to see a lot of people taking an interest in, and finally seeing the importance of that. And I think it's pretty kind of it's, it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes once the sciences kind of you know mm-hmm. come up with some some more uh, conclusions as to how we can really take advantage of, of what we know or what we don't know yet mm-hmm. um yeah actually i did think of one more question okay. um before we end here because i know that somebody's going to ask me why i didn't ask it because i just thought of it okay um what would be the so in you know in the agricultural scape we have a lot of controversy over whether or not we should add certain synthetic products to our crops and mm-hmm. you know including pesticides or mm-hmm. or um, you know hormones or or whatever the case may be there's there's different synthetic products that we add to our crops and livestock that a mm-hmm. lot of people disagree with mm-hmm. what would be the either positive or negative or neutral mm-hmm. effect of using for example pesticides on a crop if if it would have any kind of effect on the soil health of the microbiome in, involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have who study this. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does shift things. Um, a lot of times, microbes will use that pesticide as a substrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the microbes that can basically degrade and they're basically eating it mm-hmm. that can eat that pesticide, they're always going to be a little off balance from what was natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know how that's going to impact your yield or your long term soil health. I don't know that there's a concrete answer to that. Mm. It's always going to, the answer is almost always going to be, it depends. Right. Uh, which is the tr- one of the truest answers <laughs> you can give from based on science, but right. it's a really disappointing answer. <laughs> um, but it's, it's going to depend. But I do think that the more 
you can set up your soil so that your plant is selecting for the microbes, mm. not the things you're putting into the soil, right. the better off it's going to be. Okay. Because these things evolved together for millennia. Right. Like long before <laughs> we were here, there were plants and microbes. Yeah. So, I mean, these things are very coupled. And, mm. um, yeah, the more you can kind of let your plant select, it's, it's likely the better off you'll be. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right, well... Yeah, like I said, those are all the questions I have. Um, you know, if you have anything else you want to add or finish up there on top of your previous comments, and by all means. Um, no, know. I think you asked great questions. Yeah, <laughs> well, this thank was you. fun. Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you know, you inviting me out here to, to mm-hmm. do this interview. I think it'll be a really interesting topic for a lot of people to kind of digest and think about and mm-hmm. do some research on, hopefully, and you know, kind of become more educated about what's going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes in the ag world yeah um yeah so i look forward to you know hearing from you again if you find any more great any more information in your research you're willing to share and um yeah and if you do so uh feel free to post my email address okay and if people have questions and they want to email me i'm always happy to talk to people <laughs> so um yeah shoot me questions if you have them great yeah i'll definitely post that with the with the episode whenever it comes out on It'll be this Wednesday for, for us, but okay. they'll already see it. But, um, yeah, so that's that's all I've got. Um, you know, thanks again for, mm-hmm. for helping me with this and for or for being here for this episode. Okay. Um, thanks to, you know, to all of our listeners and everything. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. <laughs>